Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Midnight Monsters. I am your host, Spooky Boo. Every Sunday I bring to you true tales of the paranormal, and sometimes I even have guests. During the last half hour of the show, you can call in to ask your questions, or even tell your stories at 516-453-9399. Find out more at www.midnightmonstersradio.com. Now let's begin. Hey, Spooky Boo. So I'm gambling that everything is working okay. If not, you can join the chat session on Blog Talk Radio. Or you can call me and let me know and tell me your ghost story at 516-453-9399. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch is uh, a haunting that happens in Tennessee. In Adams, Tennessee, there's a story about the Bell Witch, and no one really knows who or what she is, only that she has drawn the attention of not only those who were haunted, even a future USA president and his men. It's been passed on for generations, for 200 years or so. And some still say that they have seen or heard her. A farmer named John Bell moved from North Carolina to Adams, Tennessee, near the Red River. Around 1817, John Bell noticed a strange animal with the body of a dog, the head of a rabbit roaming his crops. He shot at the creature several times, but it ran off. Several other instances of strange animals happened. With the family members, Drew Bell, John's son, noticed a strange large bird perched on their fence. His daughter, Betsy, witnessed a girl in a green dress swinging from an oak tree. A slave of the Bell family named Dean was often followed by a large black dog when he would visit his wife. But not long after the unusual activity outside, the family started hearing strange noises in the house such as invisible rats gnawing on the beds and chains, dragging along the floor. And there were also sounds of dogs fighting inside the house. The strange activity didn't stop with noises. The children were harassed by the spirits as well. The poltergeist activity such as covers being ripped off the sleeping family and scratches on their bodies would appear. Betsy, the daughter, got the worst of the haunting. Not only was she slapped, but she was also poked with pins and pinched. A friend of the family named James Johnson witnessed the same activity after spending the night. He told the he told John Bell the poltergeist was a spirit, just like the kind in the Bible. When the town heard of the events surrounding the property, so did the surrounding areas. People from all over began to visit the land. At this point, the spirit began to speak to the family and visitors directly. When asked who it was, it responded with, I am a spirit. I was once happy, but I have now been disturbed. It also quoted accurate biblical phrases and spoke of the treasure that was never found. It is even said that President Andrew Jackson, who was a general at the time, visited the house and brought supplies. Before he and his men approached the house, the horse 
the wagon stopped along the road. There was no reason for the wagon to stop moving. They tried pushing it and moving it along, but the wheels were locked by an unseen force. Jackson allegedly said out loud, By the eternal boys, this is the witch. Then seconds later, a strange disembodied voice was heard in the field with only the words, Our general, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. At that moment, the horses started moving and the carriage continued to the bell home where Jackson and his party stayed the night. During the night, the same pulling of the covers and typical belch activity occurred. Jackson had brought along a witch layer who claimed to be able to stop the witch with the supernatural powers. Jackson finally whispered as the witch layer bragged, by the Eternals, I do wish the thing would come. I want to see him run. And then the witch soon appeared and taunted the witch layer to point the gun where he tried to shoot <laughs> he tried to shoot the apparition, but when he tried his gun wouldn't fire. And then it claims the bell witch taunted the man by saying, I'll teach you a lesson and beat him and drug him out by his nose. To his amusement Jackson claimed to enjoy the fun until the next morning when they decided to sleep, not wanting to find out who was next. The entity would mimic family members of friends who visited. The son of the family friend, the son of the family friend James Johnson, asked if it was his grandmother who would say to the slaves what the grandmother would say to the slaves if he didn't perform her to her liking. The answer no one else would know. It responded with his grandmother's accent. What has happened now? A skeptic came as far as England to Tennessee to witness the spirit. When he spoke to it, the apparition responded, mimicking the voice of his parents. The next morning, he quickly left as the voice woke him up, telling him his parents hadn't heard him as well. When he arrived home, he wrote to John Bell, telling him the entity did in fact visit his family. John Bell Sr. and his daughter Betsy seemed to be the biggest targets of the Bell Witch. The entity would refer to John Bell Sr. as Old Jack and would threaten him with curses and words. It is said that when John Bell grew sick, he took some liquid from an unknown vial in the medicine cabinet after suffering a possible stroke and later died. After his funeral, she started to sing songs as he was being buried. After the death of John Bell Sr., the witch still haunted the family for a little while. As a result, Betsy called off her engagement to Joshua Gardner. Something soon stopped with the witch claiming she would return. Because of this, some rumors claim that the witch was actually a man who was jealous of the relationship between Joshua and Betsy. She stopped hunting for a while, haunting for a while, and then returned later on. But supposedly the family ignored her. And then she just left. Some believe the hauntings were the result of the children disrupting a burial ground, while others believe an eccentric neighbor by the name of Kate Batts conjured the spirit up. Not much is written about Kate Batts other than she had a land deal go sour with John Bell Sr. and they had a violent argument. Many thought that Kate Batts was a witch simply because some claimed she would beg women for their pins. 
It was believed that when a woman gave a witch her pen, the witch would be able to control the woman. According to Lord, the family believed the entity might have been Kate or was related to the neighbor in some way. After the spirit accepted the name Kate, it was often referred to as Kate or Kate Bat's Witch. To this day, people claim they hear or can see the Bell Witch near the property. The original house was torn for safety purposes, but pieces of the old cabin and its relics can be seen in the replica. The cave on the property still exists. Many believe the witch fled to the cave after she stopped haunting the family. According to legend, while Betsy Bell and her friends were exploring the cave, one of the boys in the group got stuck in a hole. He felt hands grasp his legs with a disembodied voice claiming, I'll get him out, to which he was then pulled to safety. The voice then gave them a lesson on exploring caves. That little tid- last tidbit came from a cave haunting, um, the, uh, a book about caves in the United States of Tennessee. So I don't know. I, I think they got their information from people who will explore the Bell Witch Cave. So when maybe it's kind of a thing when they say, here's how you visit caves and not get lost. I don't know. A lot of this is from information um, told down from generations of people in Tennessee. I have family in Tennessee, but I don't think they live anywhere near there. So I have never experienced anything like this. I would like to go there one day. You can read this little story I put together at MidnightMonstersRadio.com and search for Who Was the Bell Witch. And that'll give you the transcript of this little bit that I've read here. Now, there's been newspaper articles about her and all kinds of fun. And goodness, that was 10 minutes. Can you believe it? Let's see if I can find a newspaper article on the Bell Witch. And read it. Because these articles have been going on for 200 years. And, um, you know, pulled from all over. Read them. But not much that I told here. I, I don't know. There, there's books and books about her, but um, you know, there's so many different stories. If I, if I would have had more time to research this and have invite people onto the show, which I will later, I'll have people come on and, and discuss it if they want to. But if you've heard about it, I'd love to have you call in. Or if you're listening to this at a later date, then maybe we can set up a time to talk about the Bell Witch again, and you can call in your story. I had a couple of different articles here. And let's see if there's anything that says anything different than what I have told you. Well, here's a fifth-generation grandson named Robert Bell. This says odd things continue to happen to surround his family. On my first encounter, my grandmother lived four doors down from us, and she lived by herself and would take a nap every afternoon. And she was awakened by a crash, and it scared her so bad. She called up to the house, and I went down with my dad, seven years old. Dishes all over the floor, like something knocked all the dishes down. 
There's a butler pantry in between the dining room and the kitchen, and it's built into the wall with latching cabinets. And all the cabinet doors were open, and every bit of her china had come out of that cabinet, crashed on the kitchen floor, and that's what woke her up. And the odd thing was about it, not one piece was broken. How do you do that? I've dropped dishes on the kitchen floor. And they're all over the place. And Robert Lamb was in the house that John did, but he believes a Bible dated 1820 is what really held the witch spirit inside the house. And that was the year John was killed in December 1820. So I'm like, it was in the house. So I immediately made a connection to the Bible to what was happening in the house. And my sister said she'd love to have that Bible. And I said, yeah, you need to have that. And so she took it. And since I've lived there, nothing has happened. But then a few weeks later, Robert's sister had no recollection of ever seeing it. It was really odd because my sister didn't like that, so the Bible's gone. But thankfully, it's not in my house. Oh, who knows? I wonder if it ever appeared there. (laughs) I'd love to hear from him if you're listening to this or if you listen to this later on. Let me know if you ever found that Bible or if it appeared back into your house. Maybe it's in the cave. Who knows? That is really freaky. I've lived in a haunted house before. I've lived in two, in fact. The first one was when I was a kid, while I was a teen. And we moved into this house, and we'd get scratches up and down our arms. People would um, come over, and people would hear it and see it, and you know, there was one neighbor that, or a friend of my brother's that would, saw something like a big yellow cat walk into the back room. Because how it was set up, when you walk into the front door, there's a living room, and to the right there was my bedroom, then my mom's bedroom, and then her sewing room. But the sewing room was always cold. Extremely cold. So when you'd go back into the sewing room, You'd have to put a coat on. I swear, that room was horrible. The bathroom was right next to it. So you could actually walk into the front door and go straight to the bathroom. But then if you turned right, you'd go in the sewing room. So my brother's friend was sitting at the corner of the living room next to where you walk into the front door. And he sees this big yellow cat, human-sized cat, walking on two legs, furry thing, go from the back bedroom into the bathroom. You know, he's like, what the hell was that? And he jumped up. And I don't think he came back since after that. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. So then, what else happened? My cat, I had a childhood cat, lifetime cat. She died when I was, like, 30. I know. She lived a long time. She lived, like, 22 years. But actually, I was, like, 33 when she died, I think. But. She would see things outside. There would be nothing there, and she would see things. And she'd walk around the bed and growl and growl, go to the window, growl, walk back. There's nothing out there. And she would sit on top of me and protect me. And then we would see flakes and dust and feathers falling from the ceiling. There was nothing there. It would just happen right in front of us. There were no holes in the ceiling. It was clean. There were no spider webs, but stuff would just fall down from the ceiling for no reason. And then 
and get little scratches. My sister and I would notice little scratches appear on our arms and our torso, just like a cat scratch, but the cat hadn't been there. So that was the first haunted house I lived in. The second haunted house was in the later years after I had kids and I was divorced and the kids and I moved to this house, a two-story house that was built in the 1800s. And you could just look at, you could look at the house on Google Maps right now. It gives me the creeps because it looks like there's shadows in the windows. But the previous owner said that the doors would open. There was a piano that would always play. The front door would swing open, like not even creak open. It would just swing open and slam. And lights would go on and off. And we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I didn't really think that she was telling the truth. We rented it. We didn't own it. I was like, okay. So... Apparently, one night my son was going up the stairs and he felt pressure on his back and felt somebody pushing him up the stairs. And then both kids would feel that. And it was like somebody was pushing them up the stairs. And I researched it and found out later that somebody had died falling down the stairs in that house. Totally creepy. We also experienced the weird sounds, the musical sounds going on. The front door never swung open because she had installed a bolt on the door. So nothing was opening the bolt and swinging the door. We never had that happen. But we did have the lights and the ceiling fans go off and on. We had the window in one of the kids' bedrooms always open when they weren't home. And then toys would appear in the basement. Just randomly. We found cars. We found marbles. They were in places where they weren't before, and then they would appear there. Then one day, I was doing laundry in the basement, and as bright as day, right behind me, I hear a voice, and I envisioned a person, a little kid in a dress, little girl, standing behind me saying, hi there. And there was no one there. And my son was upstairs on the second floor in his room. So other times, bats would get into the house. And that's probably just because it was an old house with cracks in it and places probably. But, God, we get bats in there, you know, flying up. They'd come in the basement. they come in from the chimney. There was a chimney, but there was no fireplace. They must have covered up the fireplace when they remodeled the house. But there was a chimney. And the bats would come down. Or maybe the chimney was probably for the furnace in the basement, is my guess. The bats would go down the chimney and go into the basement. They'd fly around, and then they'd come out. And they'd come out in the middle of the day, which was really creepy, because that's when you can assume a bat probably has rabies or something. So the bats flying around everywhere. And I don't know, it was just insanely creepy. So what else happened there? I know a couple other things did. Uh, the landlords were pretty crappy about it. They were crappy about everything. 
um, we were so happy to get out of that place. But it was old, and it looked like it had been through a flood because some of the at the bottom were the staircase and the other places. You know, they were really they tried to make it look like a really nice place, but you could tell places where there was water damage from floods and stuff. And it was just crazy. Oh, here's another thing. The house next door, there was a a little candy shack or something in the house next door. And it supposedly had a fire. So it wasn't a big fire. So they cleaned it out and they just used it as a storage room. But people would see things in there and they would see people walk back from the storage shed the neighbor's storage shed in that little house, the little candy shack, to our house. And they'd see it. My son saw it. He looked out the window, and he saw somebody walking just right over there. And there was nothing there. There was nothing to the wall. There's no way a person could have been there. There's no way to get in that place because it was boarded up. But he saw somebody walking from one building to the other. And I think if there's any more things that happened there, I know there was. There was a lot. When my son got a bat caught in his chair. Unfortunately, we had to make sure that he wasn't bit by the bat. So we took that bat, and I had to capture it and give it to the health department, you know, because he was attacked by it. But he didn't get rabies or anything, and the bat was clear. I felt kind of bad about that. But I can't be too careful. You know, and there's bats flying around your house. And when I tell the landlord, I'd say, oh, well, you know, it's an old house. There's going to be bats. It's like, look, you need to make sure that there's bats aren't attacking my kids. You know, but they didn't care. It was a horrible experience with those people. Um, oh, another thing that happened in the, in the bedroom upstairs, my son was playing video games or talking to a friend on the phone. And from the closet, he heard an old lady's voice say, I'm going to kill you. That's about when we moved. <laughs> so I don't know who lives there. I don't hear stories about it ever. So I don't know if anybody else experienced the problems between, like, with the exception of me and the, the previous owner. And she was dead serious. She was just like, I don't know how you guys are living in that house. There's so many things that happen there. It's so so those are my two haunted experiences and we'll be right back hey it's spooky boo I know we all love true ghost stories but right now I'll tell you that I love writing horror fiction as well you can find all of my horror fiction that I've written on my podcast spooky boo scary story times the terrifying tales of sandcastle where life in the quiet coastal town of Northern California begins its century of frightening events in this already disquieting city that attracts evil from beyond. Check it out at www.scarystorytime.com and subscribe with your favorite podcast platform such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and others. You can also get Spooky Boo and Midnight Monsters merchandise at www.scarystorytime.com. Now back to Midnight Monsters. Remember to tune in every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific or Midnight Eastern. Okay. So, 
Another house I lived in wasn't as creepy, but it did have some weird things happening, which could have been animals. It was in the woods up in Northern California, a town called Healdsburg. And it was, you know, we see weird things, but I think they were mostly animals. Um, there were shadows that might have been cars driving by outside, but not that cars would go by outside. And it was really interesting. The creepiest one was the one in Larkfield. And that was the one where we actually had contact with whatever it was that was scratching us. And that kind of thing is that we were having problems with the witch. And the bell witch would attack the children. The other kids, the two other kids would have, you know, they would get their nose poked or pinched. They'd get pinched and their nose would get poked. And, you know, but it was really violent for little Betsy. And little Betsy would have other things happen. They'd have the covers ripped off of them. And she would get slapped and scratched by this apparition that no one could really see, but they heard. And it would do these things to her. And this was while she was growing up and when she was engaged to that guy. And it stopped when she dropped engagement, supposedly, from what I understand. It's just really creepy. So I don't know. I want to go back there one day when all this COVID stuff blows over. I don't want to go back there because I want to go back there and see relatives. I do have relatives in Tennessee. I have absolutely no idea where Adams, Tennessee is. But I could just go back there and check it out and talk to my relatives. Maybe get into a minivan one day or something and... And when I'm 70, because I have cats, they're going to live another 20 years or so. So I'll have to wait until they all pass. And then I'll get a minivan and drive around the country and find haunted places to have fun, enjoying, and checking out. Now, the lines are open. You can give me a call at 516-453-9399 if you have a story of your own or if you have experienced the Bell Witch. Until then, I will keep telling you my creepy stories so the witch that um, she also haunted other people that came into town um, people that came to visit there's that British man there's Andrew Jackson there's other people that came in there's not a lot on Cat Bell I was kind of surprised because, or <laughs> Cat Bell, Kate Bats. There's not a lot of information on Kate Bats. She died during the time while the witch was haunting people. So, you know, there's arguments saying that it wasn't her ghost. But nobody's saying that it was her ghost. People think that she was witching the place. She was putting spells on them. The creatures that they've seen, because they... they saw that half dog, half rabbit thing, a dog with a rabbit's face. And then I think he even saw a a man with a, an animal's head, like a boar's head or something. And they'd see these weird animals around the property and, and see apparitions and really creepy things. And then they found, oh, she sent the boys on a, on a, treasure hunt and they never found anything. They thought that maybe that's where she was buried or there was an, an burial ground around that area but 
they didn't find that. They found another burial ground, I think. But there's a big book that I'm reading about it. I haven't finished it. I haven't come quite near finishing it. Perhaps in about six months, I'll do another show on the witch, and I'll have a lot more information because this show is kind of impromptu tonight. It's kind of testing out the waters and everything. But with this show, I'd really like to hear your input on the Bell Witch and other things that have happened to you. Because next week, I have another show. I'm going to do this every Sunday night. If everything goes okay tonight, I'm going to do this every single Sunday night. And people can listen to it and enjoy it. Then let me know your stories. That's right. You can call in your stories at 516-453-9399 and check it out every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific Time. That's midnight Eastern. That's Central. 11. I never keep time straight. Mountain time? Don't even ask me mountain time. Mountain and Atlantic. It's like, okay, nothing ever happens. To put that on, nobody uses that, do they? (laughs) So, 9 p.m. Pacific. You can call in on Sunday nights and and listen to the show. And be serious when you call in. I don't want any jokes. (laughs) Oh, man. The last time I tried this, people would call in with some really strange stories. So let's see if there's a creepy pasta about the Bell Witch. Maybe I can read that because I didn't think my story would take that fast. My research would take that fast. But there's not a lot of details out there freely on the web. You have to find it and read about it. I tried to watch the movie, but it was it didn't really tell me much. It was just a bunch of jump scares, which I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping it would be a documentary about the Bell Witch, but it really wasn't. Uh, let's see. Here's a little short one. <laughs> this is the Creepypasta website. I don't usually read short creepypastas like this, but it is about the Bell Witch. So, author's note, and let's see Tell me who the author is. No, it does not. All right. Now, I don't know. It's on the Creepypasta website, so it could be fiction or something he just wrote up. The person wrote up. Author's note. So this is a story I wrote for Pasta. If you don't know who that is, it's a very talented pasta reader on YouTube with plenty of great content. It should also be noted that this is a true story merely being retold. Now into the nightmare. As a forewarning to all who wish to continue watching, know that I'm about to tell you is a true story. Denial will hold no comfort for you, and in this case, ignorance is probably bliss. In 1817, a man named John Bell purchased a large amount of farmland in Robertson County, Tennessee. Shortly after having moved onto the property, Bell shot a strange animal in his cornfield, described as having the head of a rabbit and the body of a dog. The appearance baffled doctors such as a thing shouldn't even be possible as the time passed the family began to hear gnawing hacking, and knocking noises coming from outside the house eventually the noises came inside 
with no apparent source of the sounds. It wasn't long the tremors began to shake the property, an event that, again, seemed impossible to men of science. After a while, faint whispers began to haunt the family, growing ever louder over time. They haunted the bells and all visitors, scaring most people away before they even reached the house. After a while, John Bell decided he had enough. He called in a priest to try to cleanse the land. This was a great mistake. The spirit laughed at the holy man's petty attempts to stop it and turned violent. Tables and chairs were thrown at him, even as he held a crucifix in holy water. It could be that God himself was powerless to this monster. The priest survived, but received six stitches and many broken bones. Whatever the priest had done seemed to enrage the presence. It made frequent attacks on the family, whether by controlling inanimate objects or by striking them with an unseen force. At all times, however, the family knew they were not safe. As one can imagine, word of these events traveled quickly. Many visited the farm to see if there were really voices and tremors, but left quickly upon experiencing either. One brave skeptic chose to stay the night and was welcomed to the guest in the room house. Oh, was welcomed to the guest room in the house. As he was falling asleep, he claimed to have felt a strange presence crawl up next to him in the bed. Frightened, he hastily tried to use his blankets like a net and threw the presence into the fireplace. What happened then is best quoted by John Bell's journal. Sharply awakened by the most horrid of screams coming from the guest room. Upon entering the room, they found a trail of blood leading away from the fireplace and outside the room, through the, though the screams remained. All hints of doubt had been erased from the mind of their guest as he briskly left the premises. As the situation grew even more bleak, John Bell's health began to deteriorate. He suffered from another number of severe, inexplicable ailments from facial seizures to internal necrosis. The doctor gave him medicine to help ease the pain of his passing. One day they found him lying dead on his bed. It seemed someone had switched out his medicine for poison, which they confirmed upon force feeding it to the cat. Oh, how dare they? They killed their cat. They could have given it to a rat. Oh, my God. Okay. Even at his funeral, the presence did not let up. It mocked the family, laughing at them and making snide remarks like, I fixed him. Even to this day, John Bell is the only obituary classified as murder by a ghost. It is said that if you go to the property today, you can still feel a dark, malicious presence, though it's significantly tamer today, though it is significantly tamer today than it once was. So what was it about John Bell that made him a target? Was he seeing was he seemingly a normal man? with a seemingly normal family, yet for some reason the presence haunted him to his death. Why did it go through so much effort just to torment to kill one man? And worst of all, what's to stop it from happening again? So that's for the creepypasta wiki. And I don't know where they got the information, but they don't have any notes here about where it came from. But some information is missing, such as Kate Bats and some other things, but it did include some that I did not include in my story. So that's really interesting. 
So you can call in your scary story. If you know anything about the Bell Witch, I would love to hear it. 516-453-9399. Or you could call in on next Sunday night if you're not prepared to tonight. Because I'm going to do this every Sunday night. And you're going to call in and enjoy talking about your ghost stories. That's right. Hmm, let's see if I can find another Bell Witch story here. No. I know there's more. But there's been lots of newspaper articles about it, like hundreds and Kinds of places. I don't know. I'm going to come back in a moment. Check this out. Hey, it's Spooky Boo. Do you want to listen to creepy, scary stories at night before you go to bed? Check out the Creepy Pasta and True Scary Stories podcast and get podcast episodes Monday through Friday to listen to at night. Find out more at www dot creepypasta scary stories dot com available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other popular platforms. Remember www.creepypastascarystories.com dot dot com. Okay. So we're back. Obviously I can't read these verbatim because, you know, copyright issues. But I can tell you different things that they might say in their stories because there's a lot of different stories that that float around I think it's because you know when somebody tells one story it changes a little bit and when people rewrite the story over and over again it comes out a little bit differently I think a lot of these internet stories might be what what is going on so hopefully I can read this book that I downloaded from Amazon and I do believe it is from the historian who is related to the Bell family and has his old stories in this book and has the stories handed down by family because he's done a lot of research about his family in the area and what had happened. So let's see if there is anything in this article that can tell us about anything that is different. So, here's something where it says that um, a man says that if you deny a witch, she will come for you. And then within a week, within denying his belief in Kate's existence, his wife suffered 150 tick bites while working in the garden. His daughter got a rare case of MRSA and he lost tickets to a popular concert that had been he had been excited to attend a huge tree fell on his farmland blocking the road and he usually goes kayaking and his refrigerator stopped working and while he's in the festival he denied her existence and apologized telling Kate he was sorry that he did and then it stopped happening that's kind of creepy. I'm not denying it didn't happen. I'm not denying it did or did not. I'm not saying anything like that because I have not experienced it because I've never 
been there, but I can tell you that things have happened to me in my house that I've lived in. And this stuff really does. And if there are skeptics out there who don't believe these things, I'd like to know what you think about these. I know one of my son's skeptics, probably all three of them. He's a total skeptic. He doesn't think that that there's a soul. He doesn't think that people live on in the afterlife. And um, We've had discussions about this. And he says, well, tell me, show me proof. Tell me. And I'm just like, I've seen things happens you have lived in a house where these things happen and he just says there's got to be a scientific explanation for it it's like okay you tell me this scientific explanation when you felt whatever it was pushing you up the stairs and he didn't have an answer for that so um, you can call in your story at 516-453-9399 and tell me your bell witch story I know this is the first episode so it's not widely out known and so far there's no callers coming in i know people are listening but if you're a little bit scared you can call in i won't bite and i won't haunt you it would be a lot of fun talking to you in the future i will have more guests in the past i had midnight monsters running we've had guests such as um, jim harold and the author of several interesting creepypastas killahawk and other guests talking on the show about things like black-eyed kids and creatures and aliens. And if you've ever seen anything like that, you can call in for a 30, 20 to 30-minute spot as a guest and have people ask you questions after you tell your stories about what happened. Or you can call in as a caller after the guest speaks and leave your question or you know just a blip of your experience i expect all calls coming in after the guest speaks because the guest is going to have 20 to 30 minutes to talk and the call should be about you know a minute to two minutes long when you call in and describe what happens i'd say i'd give you about you know depending on how many callers are on the line i'd say I'd give you about up to three minutes so you can also leave your message up to three minutes at 707 22 at 707-776-6592. You can leave your message at that phone number and I will play it. I can only take three minutes of phone time. So be sure to get in within three minutes, which should be pretty easy. A lot of haunted stories are just really short and quick. So if you have any stories, you can call in right now at 516-453-939. And let me know if you've ever been haunted or if the Bell Witch has haunted you before. Next week I'll bring you more stories and they'll be longer so that I can tell them throughout the whole show. But I'm going to close it up here in about a minute and 30 seconds. And, you know, you can call in real quickly. Let me know your stories. Come on, I don't bite. You know I don't bite. I had a friend call it once, and um, perhaps I'll play those over the year in the future. But when I previously had the show on, she had a doll that a friend, a doll at a friend's house that would haunt her. It was pretty interesting. It was pretty creepy. It was a, I think it was a Raggedy Ann doll. Doll stories are awesome. I'll have a doll story show one night, and you can tell in your creepy doll stories because I even have a couple of those. Dolls are just. Unreal. Yeah. 
But remember, call it in, 516-453-9399, and I'd love to hear your show. Remember, you can listen to the scary stories that I write. I'm a horror author, and I write horror stories that you can listen to. You can listen to them at scarystorytime.com or search on the podcast at Spooky Scary Storytime. And you can also listen to the podcast, my other podcast, Creepy Pasta True Scary Stories, where I take the stories of the internet and tell them. If you have a story that you want me to tell on the Creepy Pasta channel, Creepy Pasta podcast, just send it in to me, or you can visit Creepypasta scarystories.com and click on submit story and it will be posted to the website and then I can tell it to everybody um, information on how to submit a story is on there you can also submit your true scary stories at creepy true scary stories.com I have all kinds of websites so Give me a call. Closing it up soon. If I don't get a call within a minute, I'm going to shut it down. 516-453-9399. TikTok. I should get the Jeopardy music. I think that would be a copyright violation. Probably can't do that, can I? But that's about all I have for the witch tonight. I would love to hear more information about Kate Bat. Maybe I'll find some more in the book I'm reading. But out on a general search on the internet, I mean, everything is about John Bell and his family. So anything about Kate Batts that you can tell me, I would love to know. Anyway, that's all for tonight. Check out my podcast. I'll see you in your nightmares.